You're listening to Mr. Suave at MrSuave.com. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. What were our wives thinking? We probably don't even like the same tunes. On the count of three, everyone say their favorite kind of music. One, two, three. Hard driving rock. <gasps> Dads, let's jam. rock bands from Detroit that uh, New Frets we're a part of and that's our family you know so don't want to ever disgrace that or anything if one band or a couple of Detroit bands get more successful and it just helps everybody else get a little bit of attention that they never would have gotten in the first place you know maybe it's a bad thing if someone names it a scene and it becomes some sort of hip scene or something because that won't last you know so but maybe if it's just a little bit of attention just to know that there's good rock and roll bands from the town, that would be good. He's a dull and simple lad, can barely tell water from champagne, but lock up your liquor or he'll drink you blind. Here's your host, Mr. Swab. Loud, bluesy, rockin'. That could describe any number of bands on this week's modcast. Add in huge, overwhelming doses of garage punk, 
a 60s sense of how to balance soul with screaming, and you get something totally different. You get Mooney Suzuki, who opened the show today with Everything's Gone Wrong, off of the band's blisteringly hot debut album, People Get Ready. Mooney Suzuki, where the hell do you get a name like that anyhow? Apparently like this. Uh, the name is taken from the first two singers of 1970s German krautrock band Can, Malcolm Mooney and Damo Suzuki. That is where they got their name. Talk about uh, digging down into obscurity there a bit. Mooney Suzuki. They produced a bunch of serious releases, uh, a whole fistful of singles and EPs and four full-length releases that back in the day would have been called LPs. That stands for Long Players, kids, just so you know. Mooney Suzuki were influential in the late 90s garage rock revival. Like the sound of that scene, they were pretty raw, more closely associated uh, than some of the other bands of that time. Uh, they were more closely associated to kind of a 60s power pop type of sound. Their later releases were both bluesier and more elaborately produced, so comparisons to the British Invasion a la Kinks and Stones early, and then later to 70s rockers kind of like uh, Sweet and Led Zeppelin, all are appropriate and completely justified. Throughout all, the band kept their focus pretty well on 60s-based R&B, but uh, at the same time also had their eye on a more modern sort of crunchy rock and blues. For me, the earlier stuff is their best stuff, but the later stuff is pretty addictive too with its um, aggressive approach and kind of unashamed grasping for something a little more mainstream. Too bad the mainstream never grasped back. Had they done so, we'd be enjoying a, a modern day Rolling Stones to this day, I think. Mooney Suzuki stormed out of New York to a rock garage scene of the late 90s and early aughts. So they were perfect to kick off a show that is focusing on that then new and revived garage sound that blew up the world at the turn of the century. So this is modcast number 466, 21st century garage rock revisionism. My deep dive into more modern garage rock all from around the, the turn of the century. New century required a new garage rock sound and we got it. And you're going to get some of it now. we got uh, lots more bands from across the U.S. and around the world, Sweden, Australia, and everywhere in between. As always, you can find the track list on the Modcast homepage over at MrSwab.com, as well as some bonus videos, links to the bands, and other goodies, so be sure to check that out at MrSwab.com. Right now, let's dive into the Motor City Madness of late 90s Detroit arguably ground zero in the U.S. for the garage rock explosion that was about to shake the world. Here's the come-ons. And Marvin, how do you like living in Detroit? <laughs>
I love Detroit. It, it's a very cordial town and, and quite peaceful and restful. Nothing at all like New York.
good. He's gonna surprise us. Yeah, I'm always surprised. I don't like gay disco though, so I'm just saying. I mean, I'm, I'm for the gays, but the disco. It's the disco. <laughs> that you have the disco. Yeah, the disco. Okay, I agree with you. And that's fine. You won't get any disco at Mr. Suave's mod module. And that's MrSuave.com at M-I-S-T-E-R. Suave.com. Fresh and bold.
21st century was definitely not your dad's garage rock. Hell, not even my garage rock, really. Once upon a time, growing up as a young mod, I cut my teeth on the 80s garage rock revival, listening to and and when lucky enough seeing live bands like the Crawdaddies, Telltale Hearts, Crawling Walls, the Fun Seekers, Gravedigger 5, The Forgiven, and The Things, and so on and so on. Lots of great garage bands back then. Southern California was riddled with 60s-styled garage bands, especially San Diego, which I always thought of fondly as Groovyego. That was a garage rock revival era. After the original garage rock scene of the 60s passed away, it was a decade or so before it really sprang back to life. Uh, maybe with punk rock, sort of, I guess. The punk rock scene of the late 70s kind of fragmented into a number of different sounds, one of which was largely influenced by the original loud, raw R&B of 60s bands like the Standells, the Seeds, Chocolate Watch Band, the Count Five, and so on. Uh, those bands mixed the punk of the 60s with the punk of the 70s, 
and then incorporated the blues influences of like the early Stones and The Who and Them and Yardbirds and just created a distinctly 60s sound but that was really up-tempo for the era and just seemed to really fit the decade. Since then, all manner of garage bands have built on those fuzzed-out, kind of guitar-driven buzzsaw sounds incorporating elements of soul, as well as grunge and modern alternative rock to keep the garage sound fresh, you know, keep that flame burning, I guess, but still recognizable as garage rock, but, you know, with its own spin on it. The late 90s then saw a garage rock explosion around the world, that last band you heard on that first set was the Hawaii Mud Bombers. And now they're not Hawaiian, they're Swedish. That song was Surf and Don't Walk off of their third album, Low Riding High Surfing, which was released in uh, 2001. Between 1996 and 2011, Hawaii Mud Bombers uh, put out half a dozen great garage albums, melding a sound that was kind of equally the Ramones as it was the Beach Boys. They also became mainstays on Little Steven's Underground Garage. Before them, from the other side of the globe, that was Australian garage hitmakers Jet with Last Chance, of course off of their great debut album Get Born, uh, guitar driven with hard pounding drumming, and Jet had a sort of a classic rock vibe, but for me they were every bit of garage band, albeit a slickly produced one. Just before that was longtime Seattle garage rockers, the Boss Martians. And I do mean long time. These guys started out in the late 80s, uh, down the road from Mia Pace in Tacoma. They were mixing together garage rock and surf music and punk and power pop. And they're pretty much still doing that. In 2008, they even had Iggy Pop working with them, helping them write songs and uh, guesting on their album Pressure in the Soto. Nobody gets more mileage out of three chords than the Martians. That track we heard from them there was She's In, You're Gone. It comes from their Move album, released way back in 2001. Ahead of that was the uh, Detroit section of the show. Can't have a garage rock show about the turn of the century without a Detroit appearance, right? So many great bands in that scene. Right before the Martians was legendary Detroit rockers The Dirt Bombs. Detroit in the late 90s was a hotbed of garage bands, all putting their own spin on the 60s and 80s revivals with lots of fuzzed out guitars, a big embrace of the blues, huge embrace of the blues, a lot of uh, uh, hard, fast music with an obvious love of soul. They were taking soul music and blues and putting them together in a fast-paced, kind of screechy way, but it worked really well. The Dirt Bombs were super instrumental in that Detroit scene with lots of members uh, rotating through the band and then moving on to form equally seminal garage bands in the era. Uh, for a while, the Dirt Bombs had two bass players and two drummers. Can you even imagine that? And they boasted Jim Diamond on guitar, who was uh, also famous as a producer later, most notably for those other Detroit legends, the White Stripes. In 2001, Dirt Bombs dropped their sophomore album, Ultra Glide in Black, which was mostly covers of 60s soul and R&B hits, and featured the song I played here, Chains of Love. It's a dirty version to be sure, kind of manic, 
lines we hit quite a bit of the 80s garage punks, the Fun Seekers. Uh, the vocals on that remind me a lot of Keith Patterson from the Fun Seekers. Just ahead of that was one of the early purveyors of the garage revival in Detroit, the aptly named Detroit Cobras. That was Breakaway, one of their kind of more poppy numbers off their debut album, Mink, Rat, or Rabbit, which was one of the first albums that uh, really kind of started things going, became a, a college alternative hit on stations around the country. The Detroit Cobras were the real deal. Uh, it's a fantastic album. Also includes a really great cover of the Action's 60s hit, I'll Keep On Holding On. In fact, you can check out the video for that, uh, along with the usual bonus third set of songs over on the Modcast homepage at mrswab.com. Tracks that I considered for the show, but just for mostly time reasons, didn't make it. So I've been putting together this little bonus set, uh, trying to include videos as much as I can over on the Modcast homepage. So go check out some more songs over there. Finally, way up top there, I kicked it all off for that first set with the great Come Ons. As I mentioned, the Dirt Bombs were the starting point for a lot of later Detroit Garage acts. One of the best being the Come Ons, featured four former members of the Dirt Bombs, including the great Koshi, singing and giving us that, that wonderful swirling 60s organ sound. That song was What You Got, band's first single off of their debut self-titled album released in 2000. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, go check out that bonus third set of songs that I just couldn't fit in the show. Uh, it's over at mrschwab.com. Go check that out. Another great list of music for sure. If you're digging the garage rock here, you'll dig the garage rock there. Going to get a bit grittier now. More bluesy and uh, gonna introduce some serious hip-swinging garage punk. Time to turn it up.
next best thing is a drink. Yes, I very much need a drink. Yeah. 
Welcome back to my deep dive into the garage rock re-envisioning that happened around the turn of the century. Garage rock has uh, always incorporated elements of 60s-ish punk, you know, and psychedelia, uh, hints of 70s acid rock, and of course early 80s power pop and post-punk have had their impact on the scene as well. But all of it has always had an overwhelming connection to the 60s, pretty much. Until that kind of changed in the 90s. It didn't disappear, but the 60s obsession took more of a backseat to a sort of blues-laden grunge, actually. Kind of a grunge punk more than a garage punk, maybe. Screaming vocals over screeching guitars. Marked kind of the 90s garage rock sound that was building off of some other things from the 90s as much as anything else, even sort of incorporating a kind of uh, grunge, and even Britpop had an impact there too. Um, If you love garage rock of any of those eras, any of those varieties, like I do, then get over to mrschwab.com, and in the show notes for this modcast, I've got links to all of the garage shows I've done over the 14-year span of Mr. Schwab's Mod Mod World. Uh, it's nine of them to be exact, and there are links to all of them up at mrswab.com. So go check out all those past garage shows, uh, some on the 80s, some on the 60s, some mixing them together. It's, it's all good stuff. I think you like it. Okay, the last band in that set there uh, definitely showed that that was the grunge impact, I think, kind of. That was the Dotsons with In Love off of their 2002 self-titled debut. Out of New Zealand, uh, the Dotsons were originally from New Zealand and they moved to London just after the turn of the century and pumped out a ton of garage records and singles right up through about 2014. Just before them was The Vines, and if, if Detroit was uh, ground zero in the States, then Australia was ground zero in the other half of the hemisphere. Um, Vines have lots of 60s influences, but yeah, one of those groups that also incorporates kind of 90s alternative, sort of a soft grunge, maybe you could call it at times. That was Out of the Way, comes off of their first album, 2002's Highly Evolved. And the Vines are still going strong as well. Their last album released uh, in 2018. Before that was the screeching and screaming of the very raw and raucous flaming sideburns out of Helsinki, Finland. That was their take on the Sonics classic, The Witch. And just ahead of that was, of course, the one and only. Couldn't have a garage show like this without having the white stripes. You simply can't talk garage rock in the 21st century without talking White Stripes and Jack White. Uh, White Stripes broke out right alongside so many of those great garage bands in Detroit and then uh, quickly blossomed into worldwide superstars, carrying a garage rock banner around the globe with them, defying most attempts to adequately define their sound. Uh, The White Stripes, I think, took a delight in producing songs that incorporated a number of different styles and sounds. I've always thought of them mostly as a garage band myself, but uh, they are certainly a garage band with a deep love and respect of the blues, quite obviously, and a definite flair for the dramatic. They were at the forefront of the garage punk revival out of the Motor City in the late 90s and really led the way for the electric heavy guitar blues sound that kind of dominated alternative music in the first part of the century. 
Their sound ranges from 60s sounding garage rock of songs like Handsprings and Hotel Yorba, uh, The Denial Twist. And then there's the more indie styled stuff like Little Ghost in the Cold Cold Night. Um, I guess you might say there's a kind of proto-punk or post-punk sound of Seven Nation Army that just made them absolutely famous worldwide, didn't it? Great song. Uh, and then there you get the bluesy stuff, man. You got the Zeppelin-esque like instinct blues. You got kind of a skiffle vibe on Rated X to the punk of Hypnotize. Uh, heavy, heavy blues of songs like Ball and Biscuit, uh, Lafayette Blues, St. James Infirmary. I mean, there's no doubt they were a blues band, right? And then there was their probably their breakout song, at least the one that broke them out into the mainstream, I think. One which on first hearing myself, I thought it was like the Buzzcocks or something. It really sounded like the Buzzcocks fell in love with a girl. Uh, hit it big partly because of a very cool video made with Lego animation. The loud stomping track I played here was Broken Bricks comes from the White Stripes first self-produced and released album also just known as the White Stripes from 1999 right ahead of them was another blues duo the Black Keys that track was Girl on My Mind it's the b-side of their 2004 single till I get my way the Black Keys are two very DIY guys Dan Auerbach and uh, Patrick Carney they burst out of Ohio, of all places, in 2002, immediately started making a name for themselves at music festivals like South by Southwest, and they had uh, a rough, kind of gritty, guttural approach to music, and early on sounding at times like the Yardbirds or Cream, you can hear that kind of Cream influence in there, and then some hits of Traffic and Humble Pie as well. In those early years, they played pretty much just straight-ahead, fuzzed-out blues rock, and they played it hard and loud. Uh, their their do-it-yourself ethos was pretty deep as well for years. Uh, in the early 2000s, they drove themselves uh, on tour, just the two of them, cross-country tours in a beat-up old 1994 van. Uh, Black Keys broke pretty big nationwide finally in 2010 and 2011 with their albums Brothers and then El Camino. And continue on to this day, though. I have to say the contemporary stuff is hard to call garage rock anymore. There's no doubt that their early stuff was pure, you know, blues garage rock. Uh, but the later things are a little bit more uh, just straight-ahead rock. They do a banging version of Have Love Will Travel, which I've uh, I got the early live video of them doing that up in the bonus set at Modcast homepage at MrSwav.com. Just before, that was a really wild and woolly one. Less than one minute long, too. That song was Jim Cole by The Oblivions. Garage blues punk trio founded way back in 1993, Memphis, Tennessee. And I started that set out with the garage punk legends from Sweden. That, of course, was The Hives. That song was Knock Knock. Comes off their breakthrough album 2000's big hit release man that album was huge it was everywhere the band was everywhere the album Vinny Vidi Vicious from the Hives they were formed in the early 90s though there's rumors online that it was even earlier than that maybe the late 80s but 1993 is the date that the band alleges I think officially um, they were pure punk rock no doubt about that they were punk rock right through the 90s. Their first album, uh, 97, I think, barely legal. At times, it just sounds like early 80s hardcore. 
They're barely a garage rock band at that point, really being more of just garage punk. And they have the attitude to go with the sound. Uh, the frontman, Howlin' Pill Armquist, famous for his live show antics, once, uh, once reportedly said to a fan that was booing the band, Fuck you, boo man. I'll boo the shit out of your face. That's the quote. I'd love to see that if there was a video of it. Um, yeah, he's, he's pretty wild and says the band and says their sound. Surprisingly, before starting the band, he was a sixth grade teacher. Imagine that. Definitely one of the great contemporary garage bands, The Hives. Man, I wish I could keep going. There's so much great garage music from that era. Hell, I didn't even include, uh, I didn't include The Strokes in this show, The Von Bondies, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, BRMC. Wish I'd included The Von Bondies because uh, there's that great story of uh, their lead singer getting in a fistfight with Jack White at a club. They had been friends. Uh, and I think Jack Way might have produced their first album. Anyhow, they toured together and famously got in a big fistfight, like maybe even got arrested, I think. Uh, so there's definitely some uh, swagger going on in that garage scene back in the day. As usual, I've uh, put together a bonus list over on the Mindcast homepage from all of the bands here and, and some of these that I just mentioned and more. Check that out. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash modmodworld. Right now, I'm going to wrap things up with a band that some will probably argue is it really a garage band. Uh, maybe better defined as post-punk or, or post-Britpop, perhaps. I don't know. Still, I think they have some pretty serious garage rock tendencies to them. From the United Kingdom, these were some pretty bad boys who played some pretty damn good music. This is the Libertines with one of their best anthems, Up the Bracket. I'm Mr. Suave. Thanks for listening. Just like she's in another world, another shit teacher, I know. Cause it's 